So one of the one of the saddest experiences that uh, I have had uh, might seem a strange way to start a sermon, but bear with me. Um, <clears throat> it happened maybe 15 years or so ago here on the Gold Coast, and um, a friend of mine was investigating ways to sort of improve himself, particularly his financial situation, and he. He'd met this guy who promised him a way to improve that. Uh, and so he asked me to come along uh, to observe and to, you know, give him a bit of advice afterwards. And I said, okay. So <clears throat> we met this guy at Pacific Fair uh, where he offered to take us to his apartment. And we got into his car and his car was the first sign that things weren't as you might expect from somebody who was going to tell you how to make lots of money. Despite his promises to be able to improve finances, his car was an old, run-down Suzuki Swift, much like this one here. On the way to his apartment up at Runaway Bay, he started sharing this tale of woe, how his wife had left him, he'd lost his job, and and on and on. Uh, And I I couldn't... uh, as, as the journey went on, I just couldn't help but feel more and more weighed down by the hopelessness of this poor guy. And um, we arrived at his apartment, which was just this little, tiny, old, run-down sort of apartment in Runaway Bay, to find out that what he had to offer was some sort of uh, this, this strange summary of the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I'm I still don't really understand what he was actually offering to my friend, but uh, I think that he sort of wanted to somehow tutor him through the the learning of the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which you've probably heard of, and that way they could both get richer or something. Uh, even thinking about this um, brings back a, a wave of sadness that's tinged with a, this sort of strange sort of guilt that I, I couldn't help this guy. So, strange sermon illustration, right? Why am I sharing this? Well, the emotions that I felt and that hopefully you've, you've felt a little, a little bit actually help, I think, to understand how many people feel towards and about Christians. I think many Australians feel the same way towards Christians that I felt towards this guy. Christians come to you with this promise of an abundant new life, this rich new life in Christ. But when they take you home, you, you find this sad, empty life sort of thing. At least that's what many people think, what many people believe Christians are like. Because some Christians are like that. And of course, the stereotype is, uh, is what rules in people's minds. Is it supposed to be this way? Is this what we're supposed to be like? Is this the impression that we're supposed to give our culture? Well, of course not. Of course that's not what we're supposed to. We're not supposed to be Suzuki Swift owners, especially not old Suzuki Swifts. Actually, I don't have anything against Suzuki Swifts, but... so we're going to start our so the question is how should it be right 
What should it really be like? And that's where we start our series on Acts with, with this one verse that Graham was mentioning. And this, is, this will be our shortest Bible reading for quite some time, especially compared to last week. Um, <laughs> Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, the obvious question that we get from this verse, especially in the context of that story that I just shared, is what power? What is this power that we receive? The Greek word that's used, that um, is recorded in Acts, is dynamis, which translates actually quite well to the English word power. And in fact, you probably recognize the word because the English words dynamic and dynamo and dynamite, etc., all derive from this Greek word. And the word actually expresses the capacity to act, to do something. So the Holy Spirit gives us this capacity to do something, which raises the next question, of course, to do what? What are we enabled to do by the Holy Spirit? Fortunately, Jesus didn't leave us hanging. In the very next part of the sentence, or the next sentence in the English here, it ex- it explains what the power enables us to do. It enables us to be Jesus' witnesses throughout the world. But that, of course, raises its own question, what's a witness? The word translated as witness is another Greek word that you'll recognise, but it's sort of a bit surprising. It's, it's the word martyrs. In English, the word has taken on a new meaning. It now applies to people who have laid down their life for their beliefs. And this meaning comes, of course, from the early church where people witnessed to the truth of Jesus as Lord by going to their deaths for his sake. And, of course, that is one of the ways to witness to Jesus, one of the ways that the Holy one of the things that the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do, to lay down our lives. But, praise God, that's not the only way to witness to Jesus, to the world. So we don't have to lay down our lives. Throughout the book of Acts, and indeed the entire New Testament, we find two different ways that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be Jesus' witnesses. Actually, I said we don't have to lay down our lives in a literal sense, that is, okay? We do have to lay down our lives in a figurative sense. And we'll talk about that through this series. So there's two different ways that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be Jesus' witnesses. The first one is the result of having the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts. You see, God can't dwell in an unholy place and the Holy Spirit's, well, holy. So to dwell in our hearts, in our lives, 
in our minds, in the core of our beings, the Holy Spirit has to transform us into something holy. Paul explains to the Corinthian church, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. See, when God lives in us, he makes, when he makes our inner beings holy, it has an impact on our lives. It yields what Paul calls, and what the previous slide hinted at, the fruit of the Spirit. Paul explains it this way. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The fruit of the Spirit, because our culture no longer either understands or demonstrates them, are actually increasingly powerful witnesses to the reality of Jesus. And it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can demonstrate them. We can make facsimiles of them, but the real thing comes through the Holy Spirit transforming our hearts. Now, the second way that the Holy Spirit empowers us to demonstrate the reality and divinity of Jesus is similar to what we've seen in the book of Judges over the last couple of months. Right? The Holy Spirit gives people power to do things, to do extraordinary things. The Apostle Paul calls this the gifts of the Spirit. Unlike the fruit, which are the natural result of the Holy Spirit's transformation of our hearts, the gifts are given directly by the Spirit according to his purposes, like Samson's strength or Gideon's bravery or Deborah's prophecy. Not much call for Samson's strength nowadays, but you know the Holy Spirit could still do that if he wanted to. Perhaps if we wanted to rearrange the furniture or something. <laughs> Paul says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit uh, gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether, the message, whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now as Christians I think we often believe or or, or take the attitude that we can't show Jesus to the world by 
merely being loving, joyful, at peace, patient, kind, and so on, the fruits of the Spirit. We think that that, they're not sufficient to show Jesus to the world. Yet these fruit are genuine demonstrations of the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we also demonstrate the power of the Spirit by using the gifts of the Spirit, but you'd be surprised by how effortlessly people who don't want God in their lives can turn a blind eye to even a miracle. Surprisingly, it's the humble fruit that speak more to those who hunger for God because the fruit of the Spirit show us what Jesus is like as a person. They're relational and relationships are ultimately what reveals God to people. And we've seen in Judges, the the Judges had the gifts of the Spirit but they didn't have the fruit of the Spirit and they never led people to God. Over the course of this series in Acts, we'll see how God uses both the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit to build the church. But now I'd like you to form into groups of three with people who aren't in your family, preferably. Um, Your immediate family. It's okay if you're cousins. Um, (coughs) And... Uh, find a quiet spot in the church, in this, in this room preferably, and spend five minutes helping each other to answer uh, this question that will be up here and then we'll come back together and share our answers as we feel led. So the question I'd like you to answer is what fruit of the Spirit do you see God using in your relationships? Okay, so let's, uh, let's come back together. So what did people, does anyone want to share? Does anyone want to share uh, anything that they, that they shared? You don't have to. Yeah, obviously a good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the consensus for boys 25 years and younger is something that seems to be quite the... <laughs> it's something that they're praying for. <laughs> cool. Um, the... Um, um, so if anyone, if no one else wants to share... Okay, let's just let's just wrap up. Do you want to, do you want to share your one? Mine, yeah. I actually, uh, I was sharing with Nicole and Shalanda that I think that even though it may sound strange to Mabel and Natalia, but I think that that peace is something that that God has brought into my life that I've been able to share with people. And um, I was saying to Mabel a while back, actually, a, a week or two back, that that we've been able to, to provide a place of peace for people at our house and it's sort of a peaceful place where people can just come and hang out and it's... Well, we, you get badgered so much that you might not find it that peaceful. 
Yeah, well, there you go. So even our, even our daughter finds it peaceful. It's a miracle. It must be the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that's, that's clear testimony that it's the Holy Spirit and not us that's doing it. Um, so so as, as all of us go out into the world, I think it is important to recognize that the Holy Spirit does make a difference in our lives. Like often we just dismiss this um, we dismiss these things as just side effects of, of ourselves, right, Tim? But it's but it's actually it's actually the Holy Spirit working in our hearts that makes us different, that that really transforms us and makes us new. And um, we're not we we it, it would be easier if we could just miraculously heal somebody. You could go, yeah, that was the Spirit. That was definitely not me. Um, but, but even if that isn't happening, we're not like that guy that, um, that I met all those years ago who's striving to catch on to the promise of rich dad, poor dad. We actually have a rich dad and he's given us a lot. And so we can share that with people. In fact, <clears throat> we have the greatest gift of all to share this passage should be very familiar to us because we did a whole sermon series on this fairly recently. So we should just about be able to recite it. Paul reminds us of what the most important thing is. After he's talked about these spiritual gifts, he goes on to say, If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So let's pray. Lord, help us to be holy. Help us to never give up following you, loving you. Use us to bring your children back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.